Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Rank Up, an on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and I am joined once again by my regular co-host, Ed Wilson. You doing all right, Ed? Yeah, good. Thanks, Ben. Uh, I'm actually in the office today and I'm currently sat on a beanbag, so you could say I'm very agency right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to getting back into the office for this podcast because I miss our nice mics and all the equipment that we actually have there. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, uh, hopefully the the quality of it should go up quite a bit, but I don't think it sounds too bad at the moment. No, we're doing all right. Uh, we're also joined by Diana Richardson, the social media and community manager at SEMrush. How are you, Diana? I'm also really, really great. And, you know, um, I, I have the nice fancy mic equipment like you guys were just talking about, but I have found that my computer audio is amazing. So <laughs> SEMrush really did us right with these laptops, and I've been able to record a lot without having to you know, plug in and use the adapters for the big fancy microphone. But it is sitting on the corner of my desk right now <laughs> in case well, we needed that's, it. That's ideal. I mean, you, <laughs> you sound perfectly clear to us, so that's great. Oh, awesome, awesome. <laughs> and it's worth saying as well, you are our, our very first guest, I believe, I'm hoping I'm not making a mistake here, um, from uh, the United States of America, uh, <laughs> which is an exciting first for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, howdy! Well, I, have to, I have to say, a big thanks to greet you to America. But <laughs> I have to say, just a, a big thank you for joining us at uh, early in the morning for you to make the timings work because I think that's the biggest sacrifice you have to make joining the podcast with a, with a UK team. You know what, though, if I could have conversations with um, people with your fabulous accents at 8 a.m., it's totally worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I could hear I could hear folks from the UK talk all day long. I've tried my I've tried my hand at imitating the the British accent, and it doesn't sound quite as nice as listening to to you guys. (laughs) Well, don't worry, we we won't ask you to do that on this podcast. Uh, No, I'll I'll politely decline anyway. I don't want to offend you. <laughs> no, I, I always enjoy I always enjoy hearing accents and I will try my hand at my own terrible accents as well, but this podcast is definitely not the place that I'm gonna do that. <laughs> I think maybe Clubhouse. <laughs> maybe on Clubhouse. Yeah, maybe. I think we should probably move on before one of us actually ends up getting ourselves into trouble by doing an accent. Um, good. <laughs> I'll I'll give a very brief intro and then we'll ask you to to give a bit more complete intro to yourself. Um but I wanted to just start by saying that um, not only are you our, our first guest from the USA, but you're also a unique guest for the show um, in the position that you hold now uh, at SEMrush, which, as I just said, was the social media and community manager. Um, so although you have a search background, it's, it's really interesting that now your role puts you just in regular communication with people in search all around the world through SEMrush's social channels. Um, and I think that's going to make this uh, a really kind of interesting conversation from a slightly different perspective to to what we normally have on the show. Uh, and that that topic that we're going to talk about is speaking to your audience, uh, which is something, Diana, mm-hmm. that you do every day. Um, but looking at how we can do that in SEO and across other channels as well through building audience personas and making effective use of storytelling. So before we go fully into that topic, uh, I just wanted to ask you how you got here, really. Um, so you've you've had one of the more unique career paths among the guests that we've had on this show. So how did you go from being in search in the first place to where you are now in the sort of bird's eye view version of the story? <laughs> um, bird's eye view. I um, answered an ad in a paper in the paper uh, in 2006 for a marketing specialist. Okay. And that single act that did not include the internet whatsoever, uh, <laughs> launched my career <laughs> in the internet. That's amazing. And it, it was a fascinating interview because, again, again this is 2006, so uh, I've been doing this for quite a long time. And it wasn't uh, SEO, PPC, digital marketing in general was not uh, as prominent a job role. I didn't even learn anything about it in college. I learned solely on the job, and um, but it was more one of the more interesting interviews that I've had because the woman who interviewed me slid a piece of paper, which ended up being like an SEO report. She slid that across the table to me, and yeah. she said, "Here's what we actually do." And we talked for a long time about 
And it was a company that was transitioning from print to digital. So right. being part of that transition was a really interesting perspective. I knew I wanted to pursue something in marketing. That is my communications is actually my degree. So again, that kind of is full circle to the job that I have now. But I've always had a passion for educating. I, that was my uh, original college major. Um, and I've always had a passion for an audience. Theater is also yeah. my background. Nice. <laughs> and I have a father who was on the radio. And so it just was naturally kind of part of my DNA to um, learn learn something in marketing and then be able to speak to people about it and interact with people. I love people. I'm definitely a people person. Yeah. And um, as I evolved in my search career, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more about marketing in general. And as a, I, I, I love Google and I loved being the Google girl, but I wanted to learn social media marketing. I wanted to learn email and things like that. And so I made the conscious choice um, to leave my first career yeah. and move into, um, I became the digital marketing director for a boutique agency. And I did that on purpose because this agency in particular is a brand agency and they i learned so much about what we're going to talk about today storytelling mm -hmm. that i wish i had known when i was writing ppc ads and optimizing content and writing copy and things like that that i hadn't learned before um, and then that has played a huge role in becoming a social media manager and a community manager and storytelling and you know we can talk about this a little bit later too but storytelling really does come into play in your website and your social media content so yeah it just was the world's aligning <laughs> that <laughs> it just led me on this path and i can't really even imagine a more perfect job for me except for maybe like a travel tv hostess like i would love to do that <laughs> <laughs> that might be amazing too, but this really has been like a culmination of everything I've learned throughout my career and, you know, the, the job gods were just on my side here. <laughs> that, that's amazing. And so what does that job at SEMrush currently involve now? What does being a community manager believe other than just generally you're on social media? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm on social media. <laughs> Um, it involves a podcast and doing things like this. It involves um, Twitter chats and it involves um, Slack channels and it involves, and it, it's so interesting doing it in a pandemic world because before when I was working, before I worked with SEMrush, when I was at this boutique agency, I did so much in-person networking yeah. and had a lot of fun educating and meeting people and learning through that in conferences. I was at a, a, right before the pandemic kicked in, I went to Denver, Colorado and spoke at a conference there. And, um, you know, I wanna get back to the in-person side of things because yeah. the summer opportunities are so amazing um, and we'll get there, but I'm doing a lot of that digitally. Um, and there's a lot of community involvement and really social media is our connection right now. So I yeah. say I'm on social media, but I'm in, private messages. I'm in our DMs. I'm, you know, I'm chatting with people on link, LinkedIn messages and it's more than just public posts. It's creating yeah. those uh, relationships through private messages too. And I mean, they're public, like you can see Twitter, you know, posts back and forth with our friends and things like that, but it's very much me in the community personally and on behalf of the brand. So it's a really fun position to be in. Yeah. And we were we were chatting a bit before the show about this. Another question that I wanted to ask you, what it's been like kind of learning how to do that for SEMrush during the pandemic, right? Because you joined, as you said, just at the start of the pandemic and you've kind yeah. of had to learn how to embody this brand, presumably without spending that much time with people from the brand in, in person. <laughs> well, the good thing is that I, as a digital marketer, used SEMrush for mm. years. So I was very familiar with the tool itself. I was very familiar with the brand itself. Um, certainly not to this level, of course, but like yeah. I participated in their Twitter chat before I was the host of the Twitter chat. So I was very involved in, in the brand and loved them. And uh, before I would, it's, it's so interesting to get a job of a, from a company, from a brand that you were a fan of beforehand. Like that, yeah. how does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> 
So like, it's very cool to be on this end and, and Sumrush fosters this culture. And, you know, in the job that they hired me, they hired me to do this. Yeah. So there was no like, okay, you can only be this much Diana and you can only be, you have to also be this half of the brands. Like they hired me because I was a good fit for the brand. And yeah. so coming into a culture, a business culture like that, because Summers is a huge company, um, was very interesting and it was very comfortable. And I learned from a, a great team of people who were already doing it. Um, and they were part of the hiring process. So they knew what it took to be on this end of the brand. And I, I made the cut. So yeah. <laughs> I was going to say there in terms of my first experience with Semrush, I knew it as kind of a search tool or a tool that can help me with search early on in my career. But I definitely associate the brand early on with those Semrush chats, which I think is a great way of um, using your community and highlighting voices within your community and i think that's something that's been really successful over the years right it has yeah and it's one of the we we have done such a great job and this is the you know this is kudos to the team before me again because i'm so new still but they've done such a great job of connecting with that community and fostering our own and you guys know i mean the seo industry the digital marketing industry we love to talk anyway we yep. love to educate and be together and share you know our tips and our insights together that social media has really uh, you know been the tool and the medium where we could really make that happen and again like the foundation of semrush is the digital marketing community like yes we have a product to sell but we are in it too like we want to educate and we want to learn from the marketers and it's like we're just the center of it we're like we're just you know we're not we just want to be a, we're glad to be a part of it too yeah. <laughs> and that culture is very prevalent throughout you know from the tippy top to to little old me um and that's really fun to be a part of and um they're not they're not afraid of um, having people speak on behalf of the brand because they hire digital marketers. So we're speaking to, you know, on the same level as everybody. And um, it's, that's exactly when you make a product for digital marketers, you need digital marketers behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they do a really, really amazing job um, hiring and fostering the right atmosphere and culture to achieve the goal and that is to be here for marketers. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to ask you one quick side question, I guess, on this before we get into the main topic as well. Um, just if, if there's anyone listening who maybe has joined a role recently during the pandemic or if they're on the other side and hiring people from the pandemic, is there anything that you've seen in your experience that just makes that that much easier for the people joining? Like, any, anything you would recommend to um i guess just make people feel a bit more integrated with the team that they're joining well i mean technology is amazing i i will say this during the while i was job hunting um i did a all my interviews um uh, uh through the computer <laughs> through yeah. zoom through google yeah. hangouts um and that was very different for me but i was already in the mindset of wanting a remote job um i was planning a move i knew i was wanting a remote position anyway yeah. um but be comfortable with the technology be flexible with the technology people use um you know all of the different tools zoom google are just two of many yeah. that i was interacting with um during my interviews um and player, you know, just be on the computer, play, get the right lighting, like invest in that sort of aspect for you mm. um, to give the right impression um, out of the gate. And whatever makes you feel comfortable, it is actually kind of nice, like you are by yourself in your room, like talking yeah. to someone on the computer. Um, so you don't have the distractions of other offices. You don't have like the awkwardness of like checking in with the secretary at the front desk. Like you don't have those. You can kind of focus. Mm. So if you're going through a hiring process too, maybe make notes of the questions that the, that the employers are asking you and keep a record. And then you can kind of type up answers and you don't ever want to sound rehearsed, but that yeah. way you can also keep your thoughts aligned. If you're easily distracted or if the computer is a little bit like of a disconnect for you, then you've got a way to keep your thoughts uh, together. So I'll, I'll also say this, I it was not a short process for me either. Um, because it, because of the timing, people started hiring, then they had to stop because yeah. businesses 
started and then stopped. And so it was, um, it was very interesting and time consuming and exhausting uh, time to go through that process, but bear, but yeah. stick with it. If you're in, if you're doing that right now, or if, and don't be afraid to shift gears. Just because we're in a pandemic does not mean you need to stick with a career or career path that you're not happy with. Um, people are hiring. You guys were just saying, like you had hired people during this pandemic. So people yeah. are hiring, um, but get comfortable with the technology and invest in some equipment, you know, to make you better and stronger. Um, and that'll set you on a good path for job hunting during a pandemic and virtually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great advice. And I think even when the pandemic is gone, it seems to be the trend, you know, remote working is on, a on the rise. There's been it loads is. of stuff about that. So these tips aren't going to go anywhere. Like it's mm -hmm. still going to be great because, you know, impression is hiring kind of remote workers for the first time um, without sort of the same requirement to, to be in the head office and all of that sort of thing. And uh, yeah. the world is, it's cliched, but the world is changing and remote working is something we've all got to get used to, isn't it? If we weren't before. And isn't it crazy how we have like these historic kind of catalyst moments that launch such change? I think we yeah. were a year and a half ago, I, I, you know, companies were becoming more progressive and offering like remote positions as a job perk. Like you've got the flexibility yeah. to come into the office or not, but then all of this happened and the, and companies really saw how much people value um the work-life balance i mean even our like i think gone are the days of nine to five shifts like you know yeah. i just think that th this whole situation is going to transform what a working day looks like what the work-life balance looks like what job incentives look like and what the workforce looks like especially in the marketing field where we can do so much of our work remotely mm. um and computer so uh it'll be interesting to see how it evolves and i think it's going to evolve more quickly than than we thought yeah i completely agree and i think this is going to be a really nice link to our topic today um <laughs> because uh, not not to do too obvious a segue <laughs> um, <laughs> just because um as you say everything is changing so quickly and the people that we're marketing to are likely to be in very different situations to they were before to, to what they were before uh, and companies themselves may well be uh, kind of offering different propositions to to what they were doing before the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. So we're talking today about kind of audience personas and I guess broadly speaking, who you're marketing to. Um, and all mm -hmm. of these, I guess, are sort of underlying considerations that should go into our thinking about our audience, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I can't wait for us to deep dive because I've got some really cool things to say and I want to hear your side of it too. But yeah, I mean, we personalized marketing strategies are are not new, but we're really seeing the up to, especially like in it, as more social media apps become involved, as search mm. engines evolve, um, we're seeing the need for strong personalized messaging for you to stand out. I mean, think of the evolution of the Google search page. Like, in order to stand out, and it's still it's so funny what's evolved and what hasn't because the core of the Google SERP results page is still text. Mm. It's still <laughs> text ads and text organic listings. And yes, we have all of these visual SERP features, um, which we can talk about too as part yeah. of our storytelling. But um, it's interesting that storytelling is now so much more prevalent because you have to capture the attention to stand out even in just text world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll, we'll start then with a with a good old definition um, to make sure we're on the same page. It's always helpful. Um, so we mentioned audience personas a couple of times now. Uh, but so let's start this with with what is an audience persona? Uh, how would you define that? Kind of how do you use that term, Diana? So Diana's definition <laughs> is, and I'll also say this. Notice we're saying audience personas and not necessarily buyer personas. And yep. that's actually a that's actually my personal preference because a conversion or the goal that you want someone to accomplish is not necessarily a purchase uh, in this day and age. So I like I prefer the term audience persona as opposed to buyer persona because audience persona can incorporate someone who is purchasing from you or someone yeah. who's just engaging with you or someone who's accomplishing some other high priority um, in your business model. So that's why I yeah. like 
term better. So I define it as like a detailed, personalized checklist of attributes. (laughs) Try to say that five times fast. (laughs) Associated with the people like interacting with your business and your brand. So these are these are your people um, and you want to attract more of them that are similar. So you need to deep dive into the existing ones at a personal level uh, at the starting point of your marketing plan. Um, Mm. Because we, we know, we know, as marketers, we know, marketing to all converts very little. So those days are gone. So how do we not market to all? And it's through detailed audience personas that you can strategize around priority people and priority uh, goals and meld yeah. those two together. But you have to know who those people are first, first, yeah. notice them first. Yeah. So uh, this, this brings me on to, I guess, a, a follow-up question, which is mm-hmm. what do we need to include in those personas to make them useful? I get thinking specifically about search marketing, but um, I suppose more broadly, we're, we're wanting personas that kind of are applicable to our whole digital marketing team. So, so what, yeah. what do we need to include for that to be kind of worthwhile for us? So absolutely start with the basics, your demographics. So age, gender, location, education, um, <clears throat> household income, if that's, if that's applicable. Though, yeah. though I consider those the basics, right? Um, yeah. To bring an audience persona to life, you need the deep details. And um, we can talk about this later too when we talk about like the sources for this information uh, because the sources of the information are what's going to kind of guide you. Yeah. But you you want to know who these people are. You, yeah. I mean, at a personal level, like you want to know, you know, life events and, you know, are they dog people? Are they cat people? Are they bird people? Like, do they prefer electric vehicles or gas? Like, you know, these are humans and you want to get to know them on that level um, because that's going to affect not only your SEO foundation aspects like keyword research, but it's going to affect your content creation and then ultimately your marketing strategies. So you but you got to start with who 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 it is that you are talking to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that audience personas are much more dynamic now? Because I think my first experience with kind of audience personas is when I worked in-house at a company and they had their kind of like market research. Mm -hmm. They had been developing it over, you know, 10 to 20 years, but they had a kind of core audience persona, which hadn't changed in that time frame. But you mentioned, um, I guess, at the start of this is that kind of shifts in society can fundamentally change how your audience works. So I imagine from Mm -hmm. like Semrush's point of view, it may be that there are more people working remotely now. So now we need to be, I guess, understanding that things change, technology changes quite quickly year to year now. So therefore updating your audience personas should be more a case of refreshing the way that your audience searches or the way, understanding what your audiences browse online or the topics that are important to them. Would you say that it's a lot more dynamic dynamic now, whereas say for example, 10 years ago, it was a bit more set in stone the way that you understood your audience? 100%. You said that so, so perfectly. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, I, and there's a, there's a couple of factors, I think, playing into that. So, you know, what we didn't have 10 years ago is a level of data we have now. Uh, and it's kind of creepy. And there's a lot of conversation around data and data sharing and for marketing purposes going on right now. Um, in fact, I just was reading this morning that another state in the United States, my home state of Virginia, actually, is uh, working on their own data protection uh, initiative and laws. Um, so what we didn't have 10 years ago was the ability to see that our audience shifts dynamically. Right. What we didn't know a year and a half ago or I guess we kind of saw it a year and a half ago. But what we saw again through this pandemic was that. Our, our audience's priorities shift, can shift overnight. Mm. Our business goals can shift overnight. How we speak and how we storytell can shift overnight. Um, and so, yeah, the you and you can't accommodate any of that if you don't have an understanding of your audience to begin with. Mm. Um, and that's why it's just such a foundational piece that 
And when I worked for this brand agency, we really pushed this piece as we did it as a service, like, like kind of what you were just saying, like it was this thing that we wanted to do for other businesses, but they just didn't have like this buy-in sometimes they didn't understand the importance and but, but us as the marketers really saw, and then we would get, you know, eight steps into their marketing plan and there, and then the light bulb went off. They're yeah. like, Oh yeah, we probably should have established who we're talking to at the beginning. And we're like, yeah, see, we kind of know what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so there's so many factors into the dynamics of audience personas that to answer your question. Yes. Yes. They're dynamic. Yes. They're more dynamic. Yes. You should be refreshing them. Um, and keeping tabs on them as, because again, we're talking about humans here and humans change. We change our minds, we change our priorities, we change, you know, where we live, we change. So we have to stay on top of that. So uh, this, this is making me think, especially when you're talking about buy-in from the companies you used to work in uh, with your or work for with your brand agency. Um, mm -hmm. Where does that buy-in need to come from to make this effectively? Did you get a sense of where it usually started or who might take the responsibility for this uh, and kind of who needed to be bought in to make sure these personas could actually be used effectively? Yeah, the buy-in was easy. at the If I was working with a, another marketer, yep. um, that was easy. But I worked with a lot, a lot of small businesses, usually husband and wife teams, uh, families, um, family businesses and the buy-in is tricky there because their priority as it should be is establishing a business and bringing in income for their family. Yeah. Um, and some saying, uh, saying kind of a jargony word like audience persona sounds very marketing speak. It sounds yeah. like I'm trying to charge you X number of dollars, um, for one more marketing service. Yeah. And, they, and they have in their minds who who they work with, because maybe, you know, depending on the, if it's a new business or whatever, they already have in mind who they want to market to, but they don't have the actual data. They don't have the, the nitty gritty that will affect the marketing plan and ultimately the storytelling. And so the buy-in at whoever is in charge um, was quite difficult um, until they kind of saw the errors of their ways and mm. we had to backtrack. And, you know, sometimes that's just how people learn. People have to figure it out for themselves and that's fine. Um, but that, but now you have to backtrack. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that's, um, it, it can lead to these kind of not mistakes, but expensive conclusions where, for example, you mentioned at the start, the only way that they learn these areas is that they run a PPC campaign and their message is messaging isn't targeted. Therefore they, you know, spend a lot of their right. budget on, and they then they finally understand. Oh, hang on, we actually need to be speaking our audience's language to get them to convert, and that's where yeah. it, then, it leads to this conclusion. It is, and you. It's funny that you just mentioned PPC ads because one of the funnest projects that I worked on at this agency was for a dentist, and they were running PPC, and their ads were, you know, we are a dentist in this area visit yeah. us yeah and i was like i was so bored with it <laughs> that i was like there's got to be something else and every other dentist ad said the same thing so i was diving into their google analytics one day and i discovered that their about us page was their most visited page of their website and i was like that's interesting because mm. that shows their audience's intent to get to know them like they're not, it's not the services page. It's not the appointment page. It was the about us page. And so I shifted the PPC copy to say like, Hey, we're this dentist. It's nice to meet you. Hey, like check us out. Here's like, like it was more friendly and conversational and greeting them and like welcoming them. And I'd, some ads didn't even say dentist in the title and their click through rate skyrocketed. And right. it just took that one investigation into the audience's intent and what the audience valued to make that one copy shift. It, it took me half a day, you yeah. know, and I was able to improve like the click through rate just by that one little nugget. But it was insight into the audience. And so my storytelling shifted. 
Yeah. Well, so then we'll get into storytelling in a sec, but before we do, I think it's worth, as you touched on earlier, seeing where those insights are coming from uh, and what yeah. data is actually useful. So I know this is going to you know, drastically differ depending on what the company is and what they're selling, but generally, what are some things that you can look for to get good data to start building these personas? Well, your, the data sources actually are not going to change that much from business or industry. Um, the data that you acquire is going to be very different, of sure. course, depending on your business. But your data sources that you can use are your website data. So if you're using Google Analytics or whatever program yeah. you're using, you don't have to use Google Analytics, that are that provides you the demographic, those basic demographics that we were already talking about, but Google Analytics specifically offers three different types of interest categories about the people already interacting with your business. So it's mm. really fascinating to dive into the interest categories because they, and they go from super broad to life events, like specific yeah. life events and whether you prefer sports news over the local news, you know, like nitty gritty things that you yeah. can really use um, in defining these personas, but in framing your content on your website and even down to like what visuals you choose in your content. Um, the other big data source that most businesses should have is your social media data. So mm -hmm. Facebook in particular provides details like job titles, um, which can be really fun. But my favorite piece of data that and it comes from Facebook audience insights is other brands your audience is engaging with. Um, mm -hmm. And this is such a gold mine for like even fresh content ideas outside of social media. Like this can give you insight into content ideas for your website and for SEO. Yeah. Um, but you, as your marketer, and so this is like a little piece of homework I want to assign to you guys. <laughs> I want you to start following the other brands that your audience is, is engaging with. Yeah, um, that's and it's right. to speak to it because I don't have a visual or anything. But you'll see it in, in Facebook Audience Insights, and, and it'll say um, other brands or similar brands or something. And follow those brands because that your audience is also interested in that. And I, would, I, I pulled a screenshot for um, a, a webinar that I did on this topic. And the other brands, you know, I did it. <laughs> I used the example of my uncle. My uncle actually owns like a record store in Baltimore. But I was looking up his Facebook audience insights. And the other brands that people were interested in were like Oreos and Pizza <laughs> Hut. And I think I was like, this is really interesting because then we can in his in his content i can talk about fast food or i can make a cookie reference and i can you know these are clearly like casual mm. people that like quick food and me is basically me scenarios <laughs> 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 and um so it's so interesting to see what else what other stuff your people like yeah <laughs> i think it's yeah, yeah go ahead it's, I was going to say it's a huge opportunity, I think, if you're a new business in this area as well, because it's likely that if there are more established competitors in your field, they're going to be, they would have spent so much time in terms of develop, developing their own audiences. And you can essentially <laughs> come in and try and steal the insight that, that they have available on the web. Yeah. And you know how much time they have spent on curating content and their storytelling? So take some notes <laughs> from what they're doing. Don't steal, don't steal by any means. But you get, you can get more and more into the mindset of your audience by looking at what else they're interested in. Like, like reading content and looking at these brands through their eyes just helps you solidify how to frame your own. So it's, it's really fun. <laughs> That's awesome. I think there's some really practical stuff there um, that hopefully people can use. And we might be able to get a couple of screenshots in the blog that will go up with this podcast as well. Um, okay, I've got plenty. I've got, yeah, I've got that presentation if you want me to send something over for you. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. So if you're listening to this on a podcast app or something, if you head over to the Impression blog, you'll be able to find um, the, the, the blog post associated with this episode. And we'll make sure we get some of those visuals in there if you do want to take a look. So I want to just go to storytelling now, kind of the second half of this, um, to make okay. this, I suppose, really practical for people, because um, it's yeah. really nice to have the personas, but the next step, I suppose, is knowing what to do with them. Yep. Um, so again, if we start with the definition, 
what does it mean to tell stories to our personas? What are we actually talking about? <laughs> so I know the term storytelling kind of makes it sound like we're writing children's fiction, <laughs> right? Your words have to be like New York Times bestseller worthy, but that that is not true. And I've worked with a lot of clients who were very scared of writing copy on their website uh, because they didn't know what words to choose. And it, yeah. Using the term storytelling by no means indicates that you have to be a published author to tell a story. Yep. Storytelling and SEO is creating web content that connects your audience, connects you, you know, to your audience and demonstrates that you understand them. That's the story. And that comes from the words you choose and what you're optimizing for. So, and you know, it even comes through like the visual, the visual part of the content that you're using and optimizing for things like accessibility, keeping your website updated, you know, that's the story you're telling through your website, yeah. um, you know, but really the key is that you want it to resonate with that audience, otherwise they're not going to stick around. And, you know, I, I say this a lot, <laughs> I've said this for a long time being in SEO as long as I have, but you can rank number one all day long, but if no one clicks through to your website, or if they jump right yeah. back into the circuit off of your website, then the rankings don't matter. So I, you know, I would rather rank on the second page and convert every other person than rank number one and convert less. So, you know, the focus on the focus on SEO is increasing your rankings organically, right? But yeah. if that isn't resonating once they get there, it's there's no point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that's so good. I absolutely love that as just a little nugget that people can take away. Like storytelling is creating content that's actually going to resonate with your audience. And yeah. I think if we all bear that in mind as SEOs writing all of the millions of pages that we must write between us every year, you'd like to think that the, the web would be a slightly better place for everyone. <laughs> well, but I think we're seeing that shift, right? I mean, think about Core Web Vitals and um, Eat and things like that. Like there is this shift towards putting the audience first. And I mean, that's, and if you think about Google's like priority, Google yeah. is always the audience first. Google wants what they show to help to answer the query. Yes. That's literally Google's purpose from day one. And we as SEOs have evolved that process into from 2006 when it was like, I just have to enter my keyword meta tag and then I rank yeah. to what it is now, which is a, which is where we should be. We should be as marketers. If we are SEOs, we are marketers. We as marketers should be connecting with an audience in a positive way that yes, benefits our bottom line for businesses, but is but does it in an authoritative way, in an effective way. I don't, there are businesses who want dollars for dollars, but most businesses I feel like want to be helpful and supply the products that their customers want and need. And we yeah. need to reflect them in our copy. Um, that's where SEO comes in, is that, that's where we really shine. So yeah. with a with maybe a more traditional practice like uh, keyword research, which is often mm -hmm. the bedrock of a lot of uh, SEO strategies, um, I feel like in kind of even when I started SEO five years ago, there was probably less of an emphasis on thinking about the audience. And it was more just about find the keywords that are associated with your products or your services, pick the ones that have the most volume and write a page for that or optimize a page that already exists if you already have one. Um, uh -huh. Is that is there anything of value in that process of keyword research uh, that we can take with this more personalized approach, or do we need to kind of rethink things from the ground up to start kind of finding inspiration for our content? So twofold there. First, isn't it interesting <laughs> how SEOs how we think about keyword research? Keyword research is actually getting to know your audience, mm. right? Yeah. Like we are looking for true Google searches or Bing searches or Yahoo searches, whatever your preference is. Yeah. That our audience is searching. So we are getting to know them at the keyword level. Um, but we but it's so difficult to like correlate getting to know your audience with keyword research, but that mm. they are really one in the same. Now to from the audience persona, and I recommend this to everybody. 
when you are doing keyword research, have a singular audience persona in mind as you're doing it. Great. So you can view your keywords, particularly long tail keywords and question related keywords through their eyes. And yeah. it's okay if there is less search volume because you know your process is going to appeal to less people, but in a stronger way. And, you know, I'm, I'm, personally an advocate for a long tail and question keywords anyway, because I just, mm. I mean, I've struggled with trying to rank websites and pages for the broader high volume keywords and it's stressful and yeah. usually doesn't result in much except for the client being disappointed because they still can't rank number one for the one word they really want to rank for. Mm. And it's not going to convert anyway because there's no intent built into it. So when you look at keyword research through the eyes of a singular persona, you can have their intent in mind. You can have their pain points in mind. You can have where they are in your funnel in mind. You can have their hobbies in mind and you can research longer tail, more intent driven related keywords through their eyes. Yeah. So that's how it affects keyword research. Yeah, that's great. And then going into, I suppose, the practicalities of actually putting the content on your site, mm -hmm. generally, would you find, uh, this is going to be a really maybe too broad a question, but we'll go with it anyway. Um, <laughs> when, when you're actually writing content, pretty does every page pretty much need to have a specific persona in mind? Or are there instances where you can actually speak to multiple personas effectively from a page? I guess, how focused do you need to be in the content itself from your experience? Great question. And I'm going to say our first, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you off for one in the We've other. We've gotten 40 <laughs> minutes into this without one. <laughs> um, it depends on the goal of the page. You have to have, you have to set, a, and this is where the marketing part of our world comes in. You have to set a goal for the page. And if yeah. that goal appeals to multiple audience personas, then yes, your content can be a bit broader, but still focused on those people. You can still have a page that is targeting several audience personas and not all of the world. You can, but it has to, the it has to be suitable for the goal because that is what we're trying to accomplish as marketers. That's what we're trying to accomplish by ranking number one. That's what we're yeah. trying to accomplish with SEO is to get a conversion of some sort. And so set the goal for the page and have that align with one or more audience personas. But yeah, you can write a page for multiple personas. Yeah. Okay. I think that's really helpful when people are thinking, especially with keyword research as well, going back to that whole process, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of it's okay to I suppose to focus on different personas at different times, depending on what the goals are, but that goal orientation for yeah. the whole process is vital. Yeah. I think that's really you know, for like If you're tackling your about us page, okay, and the, and the goal is to get them to call you, then focus on personas that are uh, more likely to pick up a phone as opposed to email or as opposed to chat or as opposed to drop by. And then you can write the content and even like your CDA, your CTAs, around that goal and people more likely to take that sort of action. Now, if you're if you're creating landing pages for PPC campaigns, definitely create like one persona per landing page because then the copy and the PPC ad can align with that landing page. And, um, you know, even if that landing page is not meant to rank organically, uh, then you can align those messages too. So it really just depends on the goal of the page. Um, yeah. 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 That's awesome. I, I think I'm just gonna ask one one final question really. Um, because we I, we we kind of had down to talk about the success of the strategies, but I think in what you've said about kind of being goal focused and the goals being different on the pages, I think it, it it's gonna be different for uh, depending on whatever task you're doing really, what whatever area you're focusing on. Um so I wanted to jump ahead to um, just how can we, if, if we're as SEOs thinking about this for the first time, maybe uh, there's someone listening to this who's the SEO manager or an SEO exec at their company, and they're thinking about audience personas, but they've never had these conversations with anyone else. Um, how can we you know, bring this data to other people in the business? And, and what can we say to really sort of convince people to work together on this and take personas seriously beyond SEO? I mean, I think it's the next level, especially if you're coming into something that's already established. 
which I feel like is the case more often than not, mm. then you can, you know, make the case that what is what is happening now is fine. I'm sure they're quite successful yeah. as is, but here's the next yeah. layer. Here's how we can level this up. Here's how we can, you know, shift as the world shifts. I mean, every, you know, it's, it's not it's not good enough to just be online anymore because everyone is online. <laughs> Every yeah. business is online now. You know, I think that argument of why do I need a website is decades old now. Um, but to be online now, you have to stand out, and now you can't. And you can't do that by being generic. You can't do that by sticking with what's working. I love. I love the. Great. It's accomplishing goals and it, what's, what we're doing is working and that's great. But that's such a static mindset when you could yeah. be doing more and you could be doing better. And, um, you know, I think we love stability in the SEO world, yeah. but there's always room for growth. And so I think if you approach this to um, whoever you might need approval from or might need buy-in from as kind of the next wave, the next level, the next... Um, enhancement to what is something that is already successful, then you'll have a much more productive conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. And actually, just as you were talking there, it made me think of a conversation I had with a friend of mine this weekend, because um, apparently all I do is talk about digital marketing in my job and in my personal life. Um, but he, he does we all have a, that friend. <laughs> he, he does a, he has a bit of sort of a, a digital marketing side hustle. It's not his main job, but he does bits and pieces. And he said a lot of the small businesses he works with, they just they want to be on social media and they don't really care where like Instagram is kind of in like the, the thing at the moment where everyone wants to be on yes. Instagram, regardless of their products, regardless of whether or not they have yes. anything that they can actually uh, put on Instagram. And this conversation just makes me think actually a, a bit of education about personas could, could go a long way, even just in not, not even at the content level, but just thinking about what channels you're even on, because the whole point yes. is kind of seeing where your audience is, and how you can use different channels to speak to them. Great, great point. And I, one of my, like one of the, if I had a digital marketing pet peeve, <laughs> it would be when people, when the justification for doing something is because the competitor is doing it. Yeah. Oh, that cuts <laughs> to my marketing soul when that's the justification because a, because everybody is doing it or because your competitor is doing it, doesn't mean it's working. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and B, again, it doesn't mean, just like you were just saying, it doesn't mean it's where your audience is, doesn't mean where that conversion is going to happen, doesn't mean squat. <laughs> 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 if, if, if there's nothing to back the strategy and a great way to back the strategy and to form the strategy is to get to know the people. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a that's a fantastic point to end this this part of the podcast on. So thank you so much for that, Diana. Uh, and I've just got one last question for you. Um, <laughs> your chance to sort of uh, plug anything you want. So how can people find you on social media? Uh, and do you have kind of anything else you want to mention? Uh, anything else you want people to look out for after hearing this episode? Yeah, so SEMrush is on all platforms. Uh, so, and we're the name Semrush, uh, so you can find us out there. We post regularly. I'm behind a lot of the content there. We've got a great social media team, um, and it's really, really fun. Also, I am the host of our weekly Twitter chat. So every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time, so U.S. Eastern time, we talk about all sorts of subjects from here to there. And we, like we kind of said at the beginning of the episode, we love talking to each other. Digital marketers <laughs> love to talk to each other. So join the conversation. You don't have to be there every week. We announce the subject on Mondays. Um, and we usually have a special guest with us too. So we get to learn. It's so I learned so much. Like I learned so much. <laughs> yeah. like, so it's really because I write the questions for the for the Twitter chat. And I like, I just write the questions that I'm really interested in learning. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like it's actually a really easy process. And I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And because I'm like, I can't wait to hear this person's response to this question. Like <laughs> <laughs> so I, there's a lot of fun in it. 
And there's some really great um, experts that we have joining us. So please join our Twitter chat if you're available at that time. And then you can find me. I am mostly on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, my, You can search my name. I come up with my name. My Twitter handle is like Diana Rich 013. But you can, nice. if you if you search my name, it'll come up. <laughs> we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes as well to your profiles. We always okay. do that so everyone can find you easily. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, and that will do it for this week's Rank Up episode. Uh, we will be back in a few weeks time with more on-page SEO content. I believe the episode after this, uh, we will be speaking to Kev Wiles, who is a technical SEO consultant who has worked Very with... fun. He's, he's worked with all, all sorts of companies, I think. Um, <laughs> but we're, we'll be changing track. So uh, if you're more of a technical SEO fan uh, and all this talk about audience personas is, is far too, is far too uh, I don't know, language-driven for you, then don't worry, we'll be right <laughs> back into the nitty-gritty of it with Kevin and I'll be back out. With all language of its own <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, it's a completely different episode and i'll be relying on ed a lot more for that one <laughs> um, but we're really looking forward to speaking to kevin so please tune in for that as well if you've enjoyed this one um, and in the meantime uh, as always we would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on any podcast app of your choice uh, which really helps us to be found uh, for people looking for this kind of content uh, and please do remember to check out the uh, Impression blog as well at impression.co.uk slash blog, where you can find snippets from this episode uh, and some of our other podcast episodes, as well as all sorts of other content from members of our team. You can find uh, me and Ed on Twitter too, along with Diana uh, at Ben J. Gary with two R's and at Ed JTW with two D's. Um, and we also <laughs> always highly recommend checking out womenintechseo.com slash speakers as another great way to find people who are talking about these kind of issues in the SEO industry. That really will do it. Diana, thank you again. It's been great to have you. Oh, you guys too. You're so much fun to talk to. I can't, I can't wait to tune in and uh, listen to some more episodes. Great content, you guys. Awesome. Keep up the good work. <laughs> thank you so much. And Ed, as always, thank you for being here. No problem, yeah. And thanks again, Diana. It was a great episode. Uh, thank you, guys. Awesome questions. We will speak to you all in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.